And with that, let me introduce our first comedian of the night. Your first comic is, yeah, is an up-and-coming comic from the San Francisco Bay Area. He won Best Comic at Tommy T's Open Mic Competition. He's performed at the Comedy Oakland and the award-winning Alameda Comedy Club. And recently, he offered to open for Brian Regan. Give it up for Jacob Parnell. You got more for Kyle than you did for me. I, I noticed that. Thank you guys for being here tonight. It really means a lot that you guys came out. It's really, really awesome to see so many folks. Thank you for choosing to spend your evening here. Um, having said that, I feel a little bad because Bobby Valentine is downstairs and he is teaching his heart out. He has been preparing a lesson, and he's such a good teacher, and he's just expounding the truths of God, and people who go to his class are going to walk away better and fulfilled, and that's not going to happen in here tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was about to say you should feel bad about having chosen this, but maybe, maybe you don't feel too good about it. Uh, it's kind of a good, funny way to say I'm glad you're here. Thank you for choosing to, to be here this evening. I'd like to uh, get some suggestions from the audience, uh, and then I will try to incorporate some of the suggestions you guys made into some of my jokes a little bit later on. It's kind of fun, and that way I don't have to write the end of my jokes. Uh, so let's just get warmed up. On the count of three, everybody say your name out loud. One, two, three. It is nice to meet all of you at once. I think most of you got your names right. That's a good start. Okay, second, I want you guys on the count of three to shout out your social security number. One, two, three, go! Ah, very good. I think somebody started to, they're like, 514! Wait, no, no, I'm not falling for that again. Good job. Okay, these are the real suggestions that we'll use. I want you to shout out the name of a really cute breed of dog. Okay, I think I, I heard Corgi. Uh, we're gonna go with Corgi, and then reject all the other uh, suggestions. This is, <laughs> this is a good way to start to alienate 99% of the audience. But Corgi is the dog that we will use. Okay, second prompt that I need from you guys is the name of a really crummy town that you're glad you don't live in. Somebody said Livermore. That's where I'm from! I think you knew that. Uh, I heard Copperopolis. Anybody know about Copperopolis? Is anybody here from or near Copperopolis? Okay, yeah, sorry. We all agreed that your town is the worst. So uh, we're going to use Copperopolis for the place nobody wants to live. Maybe even including the people who live there now. Uh, okay, and then the last one. And please, be gentle. Be nice. I'm trusting you. Uh, what is the first thing you think of when you look at me? Alright, some of you chose to be nice, and some of you are just getting some of your, your frustrations out here tonight. Well, that's the service I can provide to you. I heard a chorus of ball as soon as I asked, so thank you for noticing. Um, I think somebody said balding, which is very generous, you know? Like, chicken, it can still go either way, right? Just hope for you. Yeah, no, I know the truth. I am bald. 
bald. I've been bald for a long time. Uh, I started losing my hair when I was in middle school. I had a bald spot right in middle school. And in high school, I was taking Rogan, and then by the time I was in college, I was Joe Rogan. And uh, here we are. I shave my head, you may have noticed. If I don't, I get that like donut head, bald guy, Pennywise the Clown look. <laughs> It's not a good look. It's uh, a hairstyle you have to register in certain states to have. So I, I choose it not. Uh, I shave my head, but I worry sometimes that people will think you know, I'm a skinhead or something because I shave my head. So if I shave my head, I run the risk of communicating white power. But if I don't shave my head, I run the risk of communicating white windowless man. And uh, here we are. I'm lucky that my wife, I'm lucky I have a wife. Uh, <laughs> that's good news for me. My wife and I we recently had a baby. Thank you. Turns out making people not that hard. Uh, we had a cute little baby girl. I was showing her picture to somebody the other day, and uh, the person looked at the picture, and they looked at me and said, oh, she looks like you, but in a good way. I'm like, you don't really need to say that second part. That very good way for you really messes with people. You should try it out sometime. Like you say, I've never seen someone wear so much makeup before, but in a good way. Or you can say, oh, my brother-in-law is from Copperopolis, but in a good way. You know. And you help. Give yourself a round of applause for hating Copperopolis. Um, I was hanging out with one of my daughters the other day, and we were covering with markers. She went to say a buttload, and instead she said a buttful. I got an accident. I was like, hey, sweetheart, you need some more markers down there? She's like, nah, I'm good. I already have a buttful. I'm like, I don't think you're using those things right, honey. So now uh, my wife and I, we have five daughters. That is true. Yeah, you guys clap for one baby and you gasp for five daughters. I think that's an appropriate response. Yeah, five daughters. They're like Adam Sandler movies, they just keep coming out. <laughs> one after the next. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they, they say, when we say five daughters, they're like, five daughters? That's going to be a nightmare when they're teenagers. And I'm like, you're their mother, you're not supposed to talk like that. But, I mean, you get that reaction a lot. People blurt that kind of thing out a lot. This is not very nice. You know, it's kind of, kind of uh, not good manners to forecast doom on somebody else's good thing. It's like I don't know if somebody with a new puppy and said, aww, you know, you're going to have a really sad dog funeral someday, right? Aww. Don't clap for dog funeral. That's a little sad. I was at Costco the other day with all five of my daughters, and the lady who was giving out Costco samples, she said, five daughters, you know what that means. And I said, no, Costco samples lady, please tell me. What does that mean? She said, five dollars means you're going to need to get five shotguns. And when she said that, I realized that this lady does not know how a shotgun works. She doesn't realize you can reload one shotgun. You don't need five shotguns. It's not like a disposable item. They're not pickups. This lady would be useless in a zombie apocalypse. She'd be like, you guys have this? We can throw me some more shotguns. He's not able to for the Costco sample lady in that scenario. Although I suppose if anybody is going to try to sell me a five-pack of shotguns, it's going to be Costco, right? That's pretty on-brand for them. Can't say too many bad things about Costco. I 
actually really love Costco. Don't I look like the kind of guy that loves Costco? <laughs> All the signs are here, right? And I'm white, so I love Costco. <laughs> I love that purple brand life coaching that you get. Maybe I need it too. Like these can get kind of stressful in our house. Like the other day, my four-year-old daughter and my five-year-old daughter were fighting in the other room. They just getting louder and louder. We start shouting at each other. Like, oh man, what's going on? What's going on? So I go in there and say, what's the problem? My four-year-old is crying. She's so upset. And she says, I was going to invite my imaginary friend to her party, but she invited her instead. And I go, okay. Well, let me see if I get this right. So um, you guys are fighting over imaginary people in a party that doesn't exist. And none of this matters. And it doesn't make a difference at all. I said, you girls, you have got to get on Facebook. Because you're amazing. All that happens there. They're way ahead of the game. They passed the Facebook entrance exam. <laughs> we named one of our daughters June. And uh, somebody asked me, oh, was she born in June? And I said, no, she was born in California. <laughs> yeah, that's all there is to that joke. <laughs> we, have, uh, we have some friends who named their daughter Ocean. Which is, it's a pretty name, but you don't, it's kind of unique, you don't hear that very often. We said, how'd you guys come up with that name? They said, well, we both, we just really love the ocean, so we decided to name her Ocean. And I said, oh, okay. Well, if that's how you're supposed to name your kids, then let me introduce you to my oldest daughter, Cheeseburger, and uh, her sister, Hazy IPA, over here, and over there in the stroller, that's little baby three-day weekends. That's the plan. My wife actually wrote that joke. Give it up for my wife. She's not here, but she likes it when I mention that. I wrote that. It's true. She's the smart one in the relationship. You may have deduced that already. Even how you never met my wife. You're sitting there thinking, I'll bet you a thousand dollars his wife's running the show over there in Carnival House. And you're right. She's very smart. Uh, I write out my jokes, and I was thinking about asking her if she'd proofread them for me. But then I was like, no, she probably doesn't have enough Tim to fox all my mistakes. So that didn't work out, you guys. The other day, my wife said, I feel off. I said, well, what's wrong? She's like, I don't know what it is. I just feel off. Pro tip, if anybody ever says that to you, don't try to help them figure out what's wrong with them. It's not going to go well, because uh, this is what happened. She said, I feel off. And I said, oh, do you think maybe it's because you gained all that weight? <laughs> I know, right? Like, where were you guys a week ago before I said that? She's like, no. I said, oh, do you think maybe it's because your haircut makes you look like a corgi? <laughs> no. You think maybe it was because you weren't invited to Jana's party? Like, Jana had a party? No. I'll reiterate at this point. My wife is the brains of the operation. She's the smart one in the relationship. And I love my wife, and that's why it's kind of unfortunate that in our culture, we refer to a plain white tank top as what? White beer. A white? Beater. Everybody in this room just said white beater. You all know it as a white beater. Is that not bananas? How has this shirt not been canceled by now? We call it a white. My wife even calls them white beater. She's like, oh, why don't you call you white beater? So you're all set. I'm like, oh, set for what? I don't want to be associated with those things. I bet we could come up with a less violent name for this garment. We put our heads together. Like maybe we can call it the Cyberstalker, 
or the uh, guy who calls his girlfriend way too many times when she's at work, er, uh, I don't know. But uh, I know that if you leave the house wearing just uh, that garment, you can usually call it the white embarrasser. <laughs> don't ask me how I know that one. <laughs> okay, let's see. I like taking my kids to the park. That's something I get to do pretty often. I was my one-year-old, she barely walked, but she was dribbling a soccer ball the other day. It was real cute. And one of the other dads, he was like, oh, look, she's a little messy. I was like, yeah, well, look at your kid. He's a little dumb. What are you talking about, man? He's like, no, 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 you understand. Like the, I'm talking about the international football or Leo Messi. She's a little messy. I was like, oh, okay. Uh-oh, you know, that's what I was talking about, too. Like, your kid? He reminded me of the international footballer Salvador Dumb Kid. He's a little dumb kid. He's a little dumb. Guys, it didn't work. He didn't buy that. We are not friends anymore. I like being at the park with my kids, but uh, I look like this. And when I'm not with my kids, it's kind of creepy because I'm just this bald adult, like standing there on the edge of the playground, staring at the children. And uh, so I try to make myself look as parental as possible. Like, I'll hold the diaper bag the entire time. And I'll just, like, flash it at other parents, like, it's my credentials. Or something like, I belong here. Like, you don't need to come on anybody. It's fine. Like, I'm one of you. Uh, I say my kids' names more than I need to. I'll be like, Hazy, Hazy, you good? You good? Okay, I'm your dad. Don't forget. We, we go together. The other day, I was uh, standing near the playground looking all creepy, and his mom started, like, eyeing me across the way. She gave me these suspicious looks. And I knew what she was thinking. And then she finally, she came over. I knew what she was going to say, and then she said it. She goes, um, so which one of these kids is yours? And just to mess with her, I said, I haven't decided yet. <laughs> so now I know how a restraining order works. Speaking of uh, creepy things, have you guys noticed that people started wearing Crocs again? Yeah, yeah Crocs are back. Don't, let's all do each other a favor. Don't look around to see if anybody's wearing them now, because we're really, really going to ride on, on Crocs. But I'm a little confused, because I thought that we all decided in the early 2000s that we were over it. But Crocs are back, and they're, they're more popular than ever. Crocs are like the Brendan Fraser of inappropriate footwear. <laughs> You guys see that? Brandon Fraser's back. Give it up for Encino Man. <laughs> Delayed applause for Brandon Fraser. He won the Oscar. You guys see that? He won the Oscar this year. I think he earned it too. Like he had to wear that big bodysuit and then uh, all the prosthetics. He made a very convincing cocaine bear. That Brandon Fraser. <laughs> you guys, any item? VIP section right there. Okay. I pay attention to what things that people say. I just kind of like take note of the way people talk. Uh, I've noticed, and maybe you notice this too, sometimes when you ask somebody, like, how's it going? They'll just say, <laughs> it's going. People don't say that to you. You say it all the time. It drives me crazy because it doesn't answer the question, it just repeats the second part of the question. Here it comes again. How's it going? <laughs> it's going. Gives you no information. It tells you nothing. You can't get away with this in other contexts. Like if I say, hey, how old's your son? You can't go, ha, ha, old's your son. <laughs> it's rude. Hey, excuse me, sir, do you have the time? <laughs> have the time. <laughs> hey, man, you gonna pay that 50 bucks you owe me? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 
Oh, what else is going on? People talk, the way people talk. You guys ever notice that nobody ever talks about crannies unless they're already talking about milks? <laughs> it's true, it's true. People would say, like, oh, look at every milk and cranny, but you never hear about crannies by themselves. Like, nobody's interested in what crannies are doing unless milks are involved. Crannies are like the art garfunkel of places to look for your keys. But in a good way, it's fine, it's fine. I got a really strong awe for Art Garfunkel from this side of the house. I think he'll be okay. You guys, Art Garfunkel's doing fine. You don't need to feel sorry for him. Oh my goodness. I also noticed that people like to use the goodies, bad news format. They love saying Good news, I like bad news. Uh, even when it's not appropriate, even when it doesn't fit. Like the other day, I was supposed to help my buddy install an air conditioner unit, and uh, he texted me, Good news, the air conditioner unit arrived. Bad news. It was damaged, so I had to send it back. And I replied, so there really isn't any good news in what we just told. Good news, I have a useless 100 pound box in my kitchen. That's not good news. That's like if the doctor comes out of surgery and says, good news everybody, I know the number for a really good funeral home. That's not actually good news. My friend could have texted me bad news, the AC unit is damaged. Good news, you don't have to come help me install it today. So, whew, that was good news after all. And Christmas was saved. Uh, I had to go to the dentist the other day. I had to get a cavity filled while I was there. You guys know the drill, right? <laughs> yes! Nailed it! And you're grown for the appropriate response to that drill. But in my defense, uh, I will point out, I have firmly established that I'm a dad, so maybe you should have seen that coming. Dad jokes abound with this guy. As I was leaving the dentist's office, the receptionist accidentally matched up two goodbye phrases. She went to say, not a problem and my pleasure. So I said, hey, thanks for everything. She said, not a pleasure. <laughs> I'm getting that a lot these days. Uh, I was on the phone the other day with a customer service menu, and the recording said, Please enter your membership number one digit at a time. And I thought, is there any other way to enter a 13-digit membership number than one digit at a time? Do they need to say this? Are there really people out there like mashing their keypads, going, what is this working, partner? Speaking of not a pleasure, have you guys watched that Jeffrey Dahmer series on Netflix? <laughs> Me neither, I was just checking. Make sure we all didn't watch it together. Don't watch it. My wife's not watching it either, but she happened to walk by when there was a scene on it. It's a particular scene where Jeffrey Dahmer sneaks into a department store and tries to steal a mannequin. You know, like a psychopath. It makes sense to him. But she walks by and she says, did he just steal that mannequin? That is so rude. And I said, yeah. I mean, I think that's why they gave him so many consecutive life sentences. He was a rude guy. She doesn't know. This other stuff that was pretty rude, too. When they read the verdict of his trial, it sounded like this. For 15 counts of murder, 10 counts of cannibalism, and one count of first-degree mannequin theft, we, the jury, find the defendant rude. He was a rude guy. Uh, here's a fun segue. Uh, it may not surprise anybody to learn that doing comedy is not my full-time job. It's more like my midlife crisis that I force people to watch. 
My full-time job is I'm a pastor. Uh, yeah, uh, we have any people in the house tonight? I thought we might. Uh, good for you. I gotta warn you though, I can tell when you're just trying to suck up, so tread lightly there. Sometimes people are surprised to find out that I'm a pastor and I do comedy and comics are surprised to find out that I'm a preacher. But there's actually a lot of similarities between preaching and doing comedy. Like uh, whenever I get up to talk, most people aren't listening. The pay is about the same. And uh, in both cases, it seems to go over better if people have been drinking. So I'll take it. You guys still with me? You guys hanging in there? Nobody left to go see Bobby Valentine yet? That's good. We, we got some more comedy coming up. I've got a few more jokes I want to do, but I'm going to wind things down and you guys get to hear from the Shack Man pretty soon. You, you guys are stuck. Again, thank you for being here. Uh, I, I want to plug, you may have seen on the way in, there's a book with my name on it. Uh, I wrote this novel. This, this isn't a bit. I mean, this, this is for real. I actually wrote something. Uh, I started out as just writing some funny short stories to make my daughters laugh. And then I wrote some more, and then some other people got it, and they're like, this is actually pretty good. I said, I think so too. So we turned it into a book, and I'm selling them for 10 bucks. So if you like my comedy, you can bend on me or drop me some cash. Uh, give it a try. If you don't like my comedy, you have to conclude that I'm better on paper than in person. Either way, buy a book. I know you guys came here tonight thinking, like, where are we going to find some self-published fiction from a complete stranger? And the answer, Ray Recital so uh, I wanted to plug my book, uh, and then I guess I'll call in with this. Clap if you guys uh, you like to go hiking. Everybody clap if you're better than me. Thank you, good choices. Lots of hikers out there. I'm okay. I, 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 hiking's fine. I'm not really into it, but I got friends that love it. Like, Jacob, it's the best. I'm like, okay, tell me on. Why is hiking the best? They're like, awesome. Get in the car, drive a long way, leave the trailhead. Get out, walk around all day, we walk a long way back, and then we drive a long way home. And I say, You just described a trip to Costco without the free samples. It's gonna be a hard pass for me. I saw a guy driving the other day, and his vanity plate said, I be hiking. I be hiking. So I pull up next to him, and I go, No, you aren't. You be driving. Tell the truth, man. But I get it. I mean, he likes to hike. And he probably encourages people if he sees them hiking, like if he's driving in an ID hiking mobile, and sees someone walking alongside the road, he'd probably pull up next to him and go, Good for you! And then drive away. And the person's like, Nope, not hiking. Stranded. Ran out of gas. Worst day of my life, by the way. Thanks for not stopping. Also, one more thing. No, you aren't. You be driving. Kind of a long, specific example. Okay, I'm back. Hiking's <laughs> dangerous, too. Like, I don't know about hiking. I heard this story about this family that went hiking out in Yosemite, and uh, they had a five-year-old boy with them, and he got separated from their family for, like, the whole afternoon. They couldn't find him. Like, he was lost in the woods. Um, don't have to worry. He's okay. Like, he's fine, but, like, just, he was out on his own. They, they couldn't find him. They went back, and he started walking in the other direction. He's like, I just got to go. So hiking and hiking and hiking, just walking all day long. There's wild animals out there. He's hungry. The sun's going down, and then he finally he gets to a road. He goes, okay, good. Somebody will find me. First car that drives up says, good for you, and drives away. That's how that went. You guys have been a butt full of fun. Give it up one more time for your host, Kyle Trapp.
not only is he funny, but he's also educational. Like, I did not know that Art Garfunkel was still alive, so <laughs> thank you for that. He's doing fine. And uh, now, someone who is equally funny as he is educational, maybe, uh, your next comedian can be found at Santa Clubs all around the LA area and was recently in Phoenix at the Tempe Improv. Woo! He is, yeah, you know, for Tempe. Uh, way better than Copperopolis. Uh, he is so thankful for his real job at the Glendale Church, where he has been there for 15 years. And he also gets so much story from his wife, Mandy, his son, Carter, and his daughter, daughter Nora. Aww. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Brian Chapman! Either a white person's about to do something, or a fantastic stands. <laughs> let's give it up for Jacob. What up? Yeah. Telling our war stories from the different stand up rooms we're in. I also want to give a word of thanks he forgot to mention. Uh, thank you to our opener, Jonathan Stormont, uh, for getting everybody ready. Uh, and, and this, this feels like it's kind of like the cult meeting after. It's like, if you like what Jonathan said, and, like, kind of and Brian. And it's a bunch of Church of Christ people, so we're all used to very cult adjacent type stuff. So. <laughs> Uh, so, I, I, I graduated from Pepperdine in, in 2005, and when I finished here, Pepperdine was ranked uh, number 44 on U.S. News and World Report, which is like pretty amazing. It's now down to 55, so that shows how much of a difference I made, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just me being on campus is back up in the, uh, the low 50s um, at this point. So I, I came to Pepperdine in, in September 2001. Are there any history buffs that remember what happened in September 2001? Yeah, it was, it was hard uh, for a lot of people, but now I get to tell my story. So on September 10th, 2001, I was doing exactly what you would expect someone of this physique to be doing. I was bald. I was down playing basketball on the court that is right next to the track, and I was doing my thing. I'm really not a good... Uh, basketball player, early sports player, I, in general, but it's confusing because my last name is Shackman, and people call me Shaq, so it's very confusing on the basketball court because I'm not good at basketball and I don't play down low. I've heard my game described as Kevin Love without the rebounds. It doesn't leave a whole lot left, but I was falling out there on September 10th in the evening, and, and I put up a shot, and I landed on the foot of the person who was guarding me, and horrifically sprained my ankle. They say a sprain can be worse than a break, and so for the next three months I was um, rehabbing it, uh, but I woke up on September 11th, and my roommate said, a plane just hit the World Trade Center, and I'd never been to New York, and I didn't know what that was. I was sad, but I didn't know what it was, and I was worried about having to go to the doctor, and everything was going to be happening uh, in my day, and I had an 8 a.m. class. So I was walking with a bum ankle from above the track to a classroom that's right around here. It took about 40 minutes. I was drenched in sweat by the time I got to my class. When I opened the door of the classroom, everyone just, it was one of those moments where everyone looks at you and they're really sorry for you. Like, what happened to this guy? I'm drenched in sweat. I walk into this classroom and the teacher said, due to the events of today, we aren't going to have class. And so everybody leaves, except for me. 
And she says, Brian, you, you can go. And I said, is it okay if I just sit here for a while? <laughs> and she said, yeah, but I have to turn the lights off and lock the door from the outside. I said, that's fine. <laughs> So I sat alone in that room and cried. Not because of what happened in September 11th. I still wasn't quite sure what was going on, but what I was dealing with on September 11th. And I told that story to somebody and they said, how did you make September 11th about you? And I have to say, they should have known at that moment I would become a preacher. Because that's what we do, right? We like, make some story that's not about us about us. One of my other uh, favorite uh, pepperized stories, uh, when I was a freshman, later when the ankle was healed, thanks for your prayers, um, <laughs> I decided to not register my car on campus. I thought this was like this brilliant strategy because then if they gave me a ticket here, I could just throw it away and not worry about it because there's no way they're going to track it down. I was <laughs> sure that they wouldn't crack that code. And so, <laughs> I was parked outside the hawk, right on Dorm Road, and I went in and um, got a sandwich, came out of the hawk, and there's a public safety officer waiting. And he said, sir, you can't park here. And I said, sorry, I'm just visiting. And he said, well, who are you visiting? And I gave him my roommate's name, and he's like, all right, but you can't park here. I said, okay, sorry, officer, I'll be on my way right now. So I started to do the loop around Dorm Road. He flicks on his lights, he pulls me over, and he says, sir, do you know the speed limit on this road? And I said, no, I don't even see a sign posted. And he said, this is still one of the funniest lines I've ever heard anyone say. It's probably top five in human history to me. He said, the speed limit's 10, you're going at least 15. <laughs> so I said, all right, man. And he said, pull out your driver's license. I went for my wallet. And I accidentally pulled on my Pepperdine and <laughs> This dude just loses his mind. He was like, trying to cure for COVID in April 2020. Happened. And he was just like, he's cracked his case. And he's so mad that I think he maybe had been through some anger management. And so he knew, like, distance himself from the situation. And so he calls his, his supervisor. And the supervisor comes down. And the supervisor, luckily, this is one of those little God things, sometimes God uses a hurt ankle in powerful ways. <laughs> the supervisor had given me a bunch of rides around campus, because like, my ankle was hurt, I found later, you have to walk all over campus, so he's giving me a ton of rides. So he sees this guy super angry, he pulls me over to the side, puts his arm around me, and says, Brian, I know you're not a bad guy. You just made a mistake. So if you go, you register your car right now, I'll make all of this go away. <laughs> I said, all right, sounds good. And as I was pulling away in my car, the still furiously angry public safety guy yells at me, and you're never allowed to drive on dorm road ever again. <laughs> so something that is a harbor tradition for me, <laughs> Every year, I take that loop, and I hope he's moved on with his life, 
like I hope that like public safety wasn't the end of his career unless he wanted it to be, so he's probably not even still here anymore, but that man can't hold me down. <laughs> so my son, uh, when he was in kindergarten, uh, he came up with a joke and he said his friend told him that I thought it was pretty good. Uh, what do you call a pig on fire? A piglet. <laughs> Someone really liked that one. <laughs> Does anyone else miss the emails we used to get from Nigerian princes? <laughs> like, those really took you some places. Like, I'm in a debtor's prison, and if you send me $10,000, then I'll send you $15 million once I get out. Um, sign your friend who's a Nigerian prince. And those emails really took you some places. Wow, what's what's debtor's prison like? What's a Nigerian prince like? And he probably could have had me for ten thousand dollars. He could have had me for like three million. I mean, we go all the way uh, to to fifteen. I just feel like scammers have lost a little bit of imagination. Now you just get a text that says, "Hello, this is Netflix. Give me your PayPal." <laughs> Netflix for Ted Lasso season. I mean, I'm not like, do you even know me anymore? If you're gonna ask me for like personal bank information, at least take me like a steak dinner first. I mean, come on. <laughs> so my name is Brian. My parents spelled it intentionally B-R-Y-A-N, so it wasn't B-R-I-N because they felt like I would get confused for brain too often. <laughs> uh, but that still happens to me uh, from time to time. I was at uh, Wendy's in Houston with my family, and I gave the woman my name, and then on the receipt it said Brain, but I thought, surely they're going to be able to figure this out. This must happen sometime. And the woman in her sweet Houston accent said, Brain, Brain, we got an order here for Brain. And let me tell you, there's not a non-arrogant way to go eat your food. When everyone in the restaurant thinks you call yourself Brain. They look up from their frosties and they're like, what? You're not so smart, you're going to Wendy's. <laughs> and it's especially difficult for me, because my most distinguishing feature is I have a massive head. <laughs> I've heard it all about this thing. Someone said, when you bought it, did they blow the cop up? And I would say, never thought we'd sell old blue. <laughs> Like people say, does it sigh when you set it down at the end of the day after a hard day? <laughs> when we are talking about the writer's strike right now, when you look at the thread of this thing, you need some time off. Like, it's been really hard. And so this woman, she says, brain, brain, we have an order here for brain. And people look up a little annoyed to see this head floating from the front of the store that might not even be connected to a body like it's in the Macy's Day Parade. Not a good look for me. So I, I played high school baseball. Uh, mostly I watched, but I was there uh, for, for most of the games. I still remember my tryout specifically. Uh, the coach said, all right, Shaqman, uh, throw. And I threw my first pitch, and then he said, all right, cool, throw your fastball. And I threw my second pitch, and he's like, all right, no, 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 throw your fastball. And I threw the third pitch, and he's like, is that all you have? It, it was all that I had. So I didn't pitch all that often, but there was one game that uh, the 
And the coach saw the pitcher was getting tired, and he said, hey, go warm up. And so I went and I warmed up, and then I came back and he said, are, are you ready to go? And I said, yeah. And I didn't get in all that offense. I wasn't too sure how protocols go, but I thought he was taking me in. And so I start to follow him out to the mat. <laughs> and it turns out that's not what he was doing. It turns out what I think he was trying to do was go out to the mat and say, look, you just saw Shaq and warmed up. We do not want to have to put him in this game. <laughs> do whatever you do. Just finish it. I had given up a home run just a couple weeks before to a guy who looked exactly like Gary Coleman, and he hit it like 400 feet. So I didn't know how that was possible. So the team, I don't think, wanted me uh, to go in. But the coach didn't know that I was following him until like the, the last second, and I'm taking a step, and it's really out of mood. As I take the step across the line, he turns and yells, Shagman, no! <laughs> the problem is, once you step over that line, you have to go into the game. <laughs> and the pitcher was super mad. So he threw the ball at my chest, and it hit and went about 15 feet away. I had to run out of it like a squirrel after the night. You know, most people, when they enter a sporting event, it's like, you know, Hell's Bells or Welcome to the Jungle. I had Shaq and no, and then my other teammate just chucked the ball at me, and he just walked off the field. <laughs> but I gotta say, I closed that game out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That yeah. was good on you. <laughs> sure, I gave up a couple more runs, and I distinctly remember the last out was like a diving catch by the right fielder, but I, I got the dub. All right, we finished it out. But people play that card from time to time. Sports teams, the underdog is like, nobody believed in us. But literally, nobody <laughs> believed in me as I entered the game. So one of the things I enjoy the most about being a pastor is I get a chance to be friends with people of all ages, and I really like that about my job. So there's a couple who I was visiting uh, who were in their 80s, and I walk up, and the man is sitting in the garage. I really want you guys to see this. He is probably 85, uh, legally blind at this point, and he is holding one of these Starbucks Frappuccinos. And he says, uh, I walk over to him and say, hey, what's up, man? And he says, hey, Brian, I come over here. Do you want me to show you something? Which is a great way to start a conversation in an old man's garage. <laughs> yes, I do want you to show me something. He opens up his mini fridge, and he has 15 more of these. He gets the biggest smile on his face. He says, you want to know why I have these? <laughs> Again, the greatest conversation I've seen in history. And I say, yes, please tell me why you have these. And he says, well, the missus and I, we can't, well, you know, anymore. And I nod even though he's blind. <laughs> So every morning, I come out here and I have one of these. Because this right here is the next best thing. <laughs> and I've been telling that story ever since. Because people probably don't know. It's the next best thing.
It's not like a fresh brewed cup of coffee from some guy with a mustache out of a food truck or a real Starbucks frappuccino. This right here, which can sit on grocery store shelves for months at a time with no refrigeration, I bought this about eight months ago and it still looks about the same, so I don't have to keep buying it. It also comes with uh, 30 grams of sugar, so there's a side of diabetes in there just to keep it spicy. But it's the next best thing. And Starbucks marketing won't return my emails, but... to get the word out, and at some point, someone's going to say, this is the best ad campaign in human history. <laughs> and you're going to have your Super Bowl party that's going to be launched during the Super Bowl. And it'll be, I've already thought it out. <laughs> a couple holding hands in a bathtub next to each other, looking out over the horizon, and a voice will come on and it'll say, thanks to Cialis, they just did the first best thing, now it's time for the second. The Cialis <laughs> And in that moment, you'll say, I knew that. <laughs> and your friends will say, how? They'll say, because my friend Brain told me. <laughs>